Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people in its shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joe Hill, and this week we are going to get the crystal ball back out and look at the next 12 months in the world of politics. Yes, Joe, it's been a fucking weird year, and it's a fucking weird year to come. Probably mm-hmm. weirder. We have a federal mm. election looming and, and a once popular, now shaky-looking New South Wales Premier. And knives are out for her, and the idiots are organising to capture the fringe vote. Is it enough to get a few senators up? Mm. Maybe. We're going to have to look at that in our deeper dive. But for now, we need to look at the present because it's been a fucking big week on the fringe. We had to cut like 90% of what's going on. So we're going to cover a fraction of it in the Conditional Release Program's Weekly News. And this week we kick off the news with a typically cheerful note to talk about, the recent incel mass shooting in Plymouth, England. Incel is a portmanteau of involuntary celibate, a self-described term for people who struggle with intimate relationships. It has become a subculture that is generally a festering pit of misogyny, extreme right-wing politics, weird fascist Trump fetishism and violent ideations. Yeah, I mean, look, from what I've seen, the Incel has been quiet for some time now. I went to check on the usual forums after this and the Incel Hangouts just they're dead ends. They're not there anymore. The, the incels.co forum's gone. Incels.me's gone. Mm. Incels.net have locked down. And now they're vetting the new users, which mm. is a real pain in the ass because I want to see what they're up to. Incels, who don't leave the house much except for, you know, apparently to kill random strangers, fetishize mass killings. They describe Elliot Roger, the creepy kid behind the Isle of Vista shooting in 2014, as the supreme gentleman. Yeah, these mass casualty events are what incels are now best known for. Yeah, it really is. It's their thing. So in 2020, we saw machete attack at a Toronto massage parlor, which was totally fucked up. The reasoning behind it was gross. The shooting in an Arizona mall, which injured three people and some idiot blew off his own hand with explosives in Virginia. So, you know, it was a bit of a year. In July this year, we saw a 21-year-old incel in Ohio foiled by police, mostly because he was clearly a moron and, like, just threatening people. Like, how do you attract law enforcement? Oh, threaten people. So he had a cache of firearms and terrible intentions. Yeah. But otherwise, it was actually kind of – it's been a quiet year for the involuntary celibates. But this – Plymouth shooter has sadly broken that silence, yes. taking five lives with a shotgun he legally purchased with a gun license. He killed his mother, for starters, who he's known to whinge about incessantly online. And this is a real incel thing. A lot of incels resent their parents for giving birth to them, especially if they have some kind of physical condition that passed down genetically. If they're short or if they're a bit weird looking, they blame their parents. You shouldn't have bred. You knew I'd be an incel. (laughs) Incel entitlement is just this sociological football in the incel world. Pundits throw it around. It's this bullshit title. But incel entitlement over their mothers especially, is always this bizarre level. There's these jokes in the incel world about how their mothers get them their chicken tenders and their mustard sauce, and it's a 4chan trope, but it truly does transfer into real life. Incels have this bizarre hatred towards their mothers, but giving birth to them and never giving them enough. And it's honestly one of the creepier parts of the subculture. So he's he's killed his mother first. Yep, he's gone that, and then he's wandered out of the the house, and he's gone on to kill a three-year-old child. Oh, my God. In the process, killing her 43-year-old father who was trying to protect her, basically huddling over her. Uh, And, I mean, Mm. just just saying that's, it's, yeah, I got 
sort of goosebumps there. This is one that really cuts through for me. It's just awful. It's just a fucking awful thing to do. Two others were killed, a man and a woman, 59 and 66 years old, and it's just completely pointless. He's just a, this just little self-indulgent fuck. So mm. the kid, 22 years old, was just a walking red flag with a firearms license. I mean, he was known to police in relation to allegations of assault previously and was very public about his views. He wasn't fucking shy about it whatsoever. Mm. His shotgun was actually taken from him but given back to him after doing an anger management class. And this <laughs> is that kind of fucking bureaucrat bullshit that just sounds laughable when you look at it. Mm. I mean, maybe someone who needs an anger management class shouldn't have a shotgun. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a red flag. A bit of a red flag. And as per usual, he had a Donald Trump fetish and loved to talk about it. Incels were also, on the flip side, huge fans of Andrew Yang. The goal for most incels is is to LDAR, lay down and rot. They saw universal basic income to be of great use to them, a centre point of Yang's campaign. The Yang gang was a bunch of incels pivoting between their fascism fetish of Trump and their desire to spend their days playing video games, eating chicken tenders and drinking Mountain Dew. The Yang gang was pretty gross. Yeah, it was not a good look for Andrew Yang at all. His, his shot at the candidacy was never going to go anywhere, but, oh, my God, the incels didn't help. So... Intel forums and hiding places are going to claim this all could have been solved if girls weren't so picky, it's all their fault, if he was provided with a girlfriend somehow, and the entire thing was just society's fault. Mm. He was pushed to this point by an unforgiving world full of women that don't desire him. They'll laud him as a hero. Not all of them. That's a bullshit statement. But many of them. And he will become canonized as a saint. This is the term for incels who make a mark in the subculture, either through being in a viral meme or being a mass shooter. Yeah, his last words on Reddit were, I just don't like it when people make ignorant comments and accuse me as, as if I'm some kind of vile, disgusting monster of a person. Yeah, you fucking are. <clears throat> or you fucking were. <laughs> you fucking were. And uh, speaking of Trump fetishists, there yes. are no bigger Trump fetishists oh, than my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. He's the biggest. Loves him. He really is. He's uh, he's a very strange guy. So the My Pillow guy has descended further into election fraud madness, literally betting the house on the idea yeah. that Joe Biden stole the election from Donald Trump through an elaborate scheme involving electoral officials and vote counting machines. Okay, then. Lindell has held several events over the last few months to publicly air out his wild claims of election fraud. Surrounding himself with people, I mean sycophants, who claim to be experts, he will rattle off bizarre cryptic theories supported by confusing spreadsheets full of bizarre figures, just random numbers, that appears to be the absolute Absolute proof proof that election fraud was behind the Biden win. (laughs) Fucking yawn, right? So... (laughs) Lindell claimed earlier in the year that Trump would be back in office on August the 13th. So the past week was always going to be very funny. Most Q people ignored it. It was one of those things where they kind of yep. knew it wasn't going to happen, but they talked about it a lot in the run-up. And fun fact, August 13th is actually National Kool-Aid Day, which is pretty funny <laughs> considering- I did, not, I did not know that. Yeah. That, yeah. that was something I actually stumbled upon on Facebook and I had to like fact check it because I thought, no, surely not. That's very good. National Kool-Aid Day. Yeah. So, you know- Trump himself, who was so pathetically desperate to back in the West Wing, apparently believed this to be true based on what Lindell had told him back in back back in the past few months. Lindell is a salesman after all, and convincing Trump he's going to be president again is a pretty fucking easy sell. But the August 13 date has been a source of hopium for the Betfair Trump punters as well. Yeah, look, some of our new listeners uh, may not be aware of the Betfair Trump punters. The Trump punters, we call them. Uh, they're a <laughs> b- bunch it's of so casual idiots <laughs> who decided to have a bit of a lash on the Trumpster. Not before the election, although they probably did, but yes. after. 
when it was clear (laughs) that Joe Biden had won the election. And these guys, on the basis of QAnon sort of inspired nonsense that Trump would be reinstated at some point, decided to have a lash at fairly long odds that Trump would be inaugurated on January 20, that Trump would be he reinstated his president in March and then April yep. and here yep. we are all the way in August. And now yep. they're going, hey, hey, what about my money? Yep, it's August. It's time to get paid out. I mean, I really did think they were going to give up by now, but they're still at it. They're holding out for their winnings. I mean, oh, they got this catchphrase, fraud vitiates everything. Like, what? <laughs> like, it's a contract law term, vitiate, you know, it sort of restores, Go terminates contract. if you're a Trump punter. It's just, it's just meaningless. So this is the funny thing, though, because they're holding out for the winnings or a refund, and they're not quite sure which one it's going to be. <laughs> so you guys, if you remember them, you'll know they're a funny bunch of people, but they've really whittled down to the extreme yeah, view. it's just a hardcore now. In the Telegram group, they've just got all this trash. They've sent letters to all these commissions. The Northern Territory Racing Commission has planned to table this issue at the September or October meeting. So they're holding out for that, just kicking the can down the road as usual to a date in the future. Good but realistically, the fucking creditors are closing in. They've all put like fucking <laughs> like refinance their houses for these ridiculous bets. Some of them are in the six there figures. Were and some big, big bets, yeah. It's looking pretty grim. If they win, they're like multi-million but they're not going to. But they're not going to win. No, yeah. they're not going to. So, look, in the wake of this, I think the funniest part of this is the dividing point here between them, because they're always infighting, is whether they'll get their winnings or a refund when Trump is inevitably back in office. So those who suggest a refund, they're cucks and soy boys, and those who think they're going to get their full betting ticket are labelled as delusional and hooked on hopium. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're both kind of right, I guess, but... This, the one thing that unifies these guys across the aisle, refund or full winnings, Trump will be back in November. November a, now. We've November got a new date. Now. We've got a new date. Day. So, I have, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah. well, I guess around the election day. day. So they'll be having yeah. a lash anyway, and then all of a sudden <laughs> the Trumpsters <laughs> – the Trumpsters back and they've just won a, won a fortune. I genuinely have no idea what this is based on, but they fucking love it. Just November. Just, just let's just just, just let's yeah. just say months. Let's just, just miss been months. Just pu- pushed back from August to November. This That's week's it. all the latest in ridiculous gimmicky events to push the narrative of the big, old, big live election right. fraud with Lindell hosting a cyber symposium <laughs> in South Dakota. So fancy. Very, very funny. The evidence proved for the, uh, for the fraud was said to be just color-coded maps marked with seemingly random numbers. Yeah. A lot of journalists, well, the journalists that did turn up, there weren't many, but those who did uh, turn up said, can we have a look at the data, please, Mike? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nothing. No. They got nothing, not a thing. Zachary uh, is great. And uh, so it was just colour-coded maps marked with seemingly random numbers. Pretty much <laughs> sums up the absolute, absolute proof. proof that Lindell has been pushing since the election result was certified. So this is the fucked up thing. So the event was to run over three days live streamed over the internet with no breaks. No breaks for food and no breaks for sleep. No toily breaks. I just don't know what they're doing. Like, do they have colostomy bags? Like, well, Lindell fully just, intended to stay awake for three days without eating. Pretty sure Mike was just pissing straight out in the carpet there. And um, <laughs> so he wouldn't want to <laughs> pop your feet under his desk. But because um, he's... Uh, Hopefully got three or four bladder bladder loads emptied on the carpet. Just a piss jug on the side. So <laughs> he even cracked the shits when a few people, and there were a few people left in the audience, it was mostly empty tables, oh, went for lunch sparse. saying, there's no breaks. You guys can go eat. 
That's fine, but I ain't eating. I'm staying up here for 72 hours. Oh, it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. He <laughs> did, however, take a break of his own uh, to learn, and this was a magnificent moment if you watch, so the, good. watch the footage. Uh, he did have to take a break. Someone popped over, whispered in his ear. <laughs> his face fell, and he, he dashed <laughs> off to learn that the that his motion to dismiss the lawsuit against him the, the lawsuit uh, from Dominion uh, Voting Systems was would proceed, yeah. uh, which means he is now liable for the $1.3 billion damages that Dominion Voting Systems are claiming from him and others. And uh, really, uh, uh, the collapse in that face at the time was just spectacular. He knows what's coming. <laughs> thing to witness. It was, he knows uh, what's coming. Yeah, there's, there's bad things. Bad things are coming. Yeah, they're basically going to take whatever he has left after this sort of weird, bizarre, crack-fueled episode he's having. And yeah, the crack Yeah, the crack thing. The crack thing is a thing. <laughs> he loves a bit of crack. Well, he he does. He was famously a crack addict before starting his pillow company, and it forms the actual basis of this redemption story of finding yeah. God, coming good, and getting rich. He's actually got a book written on it. It's hilarious. He's a fucking lunatic. So- He's suspected to have relapsed in a fairly big way. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's back on the crack. There's a hint there, staying awake for 72 hours without eating. I mean, it kind of explains the motivation there. Excessive yes. urination onto a carpet. <laughs> Is crack a diuretic? Desk. I don't know. So, look, it really does explain how we thought this was a good idea. You know, crack in place of food. I don't know how this works. But, of course, look. As with anything that Lindell ever does, the event had a bumpy start with the live stream having technical problems, which is totally due to a complete technical incompetence from his team, but of course was blamed on hackers. Hackers, yeah. Yeah, Always hackers. You blame the hackers. Always fucking hackers. Oh, hang on. We just, yeah, we just didn't plug that thing in. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're all typing away like it means something. (laughs) Like... Steve Bannon joined the stage broadcasting the event live on his War Room Pandemic podcast, which actually Matt Canavan was on because he's a fucking psychopath. Twice. Just note that. He was on there twice. Yeah, that's actually quite disgusting. It's basically treason. But he was barely able to speak as Lindell rapid fire shouted shit while Bannon just struggled to get a word in. So Lindell, as usual, raged against the mainstream media, including his one-time darling Fox News, for all Mm. being fake news and in on the fraud. But the event was streamed by real network, RSBN, Right Side Broadcasting Network. They are absolute shit peddlers. And then OANN, that bizarre pro-Trump news outlet that gives absolutely zero fucks about journalistic integrity. And Ron Watkins was the headline actor. Ah, on cue himself. He was brought on to deliver a bombshell or two. Watkins was beamed in via Skype, which had a Skype, which had a series of technical yeah. issues with the sound and, and the visuals. The host continually referred to things that were on the screen behind him, but the screen was not shared with Watkins, <laughs> so he had no idea what he was discussing. So the host kind of ignored this and kept going. Watkins and the host had a litany of audio issues with a comically bad echo issue that plagued the video link. It's a fucking Skype call, guys. I mean, Jesus Christ, get your act together. After some waffle and bullshit, Watkins apparently received a call from his lawyer. Oh, I'll just take this call. Uh, Claiming that he must stop his review as some hard drives had been stolen from Mesa County. The hard drives had not been stolen from Mesa County. What a surprise. Ron Watkins lying? Oh, fuck me. That's that's just bizarre. (laughs) Ron Watkins wouldn't make things up, would he? No. Uh, I wonder if there was actually anyone on the phone or if he just timed a fake phone call with like a little Google (laughs) alert or some shit. When we get to 12.30... 
make sure you call me on the yeah, dot. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he'll get that call and go, hello? Really? The hard drives? Yeah. The hard drives yeah. have been stolen. It's like getting a friend to yeah. call you just in case a date goes badly. Fucking lying, sociopathic piece of shit, Watkins. He really is a piece of shit. So – Essentially, all in all, the Cyber Symposium was, as you can imagine, very, very funny. Lindell, in a crack fueled manic episode, spent 72 hours rambling to a handful of patriots and a lot of empty tables. Ron Watkins, <laughs> the self-proclaimed cyber analyst, who apparently spent the entire week looking at documents without sleeping, because apparently in this universe, not sleeping is virtuous. I don't might know if there's a the, pattern for me Might be here. on the crack. Might be on the- <laughs> Have a fucking nap, you psychos. Yeah, Only to sleep. Then- yeah, sleep yeah. every now and then, you know? Go and have a fucking sleep. And then he got cut off with a bullshit claim from the lawyer that may or may not exist. Let's face it, that phone call was fucking horseshit. So Steve Bannon's just kind of sitting there looking like the complete cunt that he is and an absolute fucking waste of time and money from all involved. Ah, uh, yes, and in bad news for the once 45th POTUS and could be but isn't 47th, not only has he not been reinstated, but there is, uh, there is no doubt now that Trump is under Department of Justice investigation. Ooh. Acting Attorney General Joseph Rosen and others in the department uh, have given evidence to Congress that Trump sought to conspire with a DOJ attorney to have the department declare the election result invalid. Oh! And Trump appears to have threatened to sack Rosen and another senior DOJ attorney and replace them with an acolyte, Jeffrey Clark, who was then mm. the acting chief of the Justice Department's civil division. And according to a, for- a former assistant attorney at the DOJ, Glenn Kirshner, and we'll put this uh, article that uh, Kirshner wrote up on the website, um, Trump's conduct appears to have violated any number of federal statutes. Sounds like a lot. Trump- potentially committed the following crimes, conspiracy to defraud the United States, obstruction of an official congressional proceeding, inciting an insurrection, seditious conspiracy, and one or two others. And as part of his quest to corruptly retain power, Trump told Justice Department officials to lie about the election results, and that in turn... Uh, can can actually be seen to establishing a conspiracy, uh, and and have the the, the Justice Department say uh, the election results were corrupt, and he would just take it from there, meaning that he would drive uh, through with his Republican acolyte congressmen and women that he would mm. drive the rest of it through. So all the all the Justice Department had to say was, we think it's all a bit dodgy, and Trump would run <laughs> it through through Congress and he would remain elected or there would be this constitutional crisis. And Clark, the DOJ attorney, willingly joined this conspiracy. And thereafter, Clark drafted and circulated to other Justice Department officials a letter to Georgia state officials describing non-existent election fraud. I mean, whether this will actually directly impact on Trump is not known because... Typical Teflon Don, there's these various implicit protections that are extended to serving presidents, but anyone who assisted him, like poor old Rudy Giuliani, who's neck deep in shit, are certainly in a world of pain. Like, all his friends are just fucked. Yeah, that world of pain is catching up with Trump and his fuck-ugly family. (laughs) Uh, There could be the sort of prosecution which would make Cyrus Vance's investigation into Trump's alleged tax evasion and money laundering in the state of New York look like a parking ticket. Could Trump go to jail? And if he does, will he become the Mr. Big of cell block B, having beaten up El Chapo Guzman in the showers with a soap on the rope, $65 from the Trump store, postage (laughs) and handling not included. Very good. Stay tuned, listeners. listeners. We'll get you posted. posted. (laughs) (laughs) 
And to address the legal elephant in the room, we are not going to cover Nathan Buckley's effort to overturn the construction workers' vaccine mandate this week. Why? Well, while this is a fairly essential story right now, it's bread and fucking butter in the circles. Mm. It's a rather big one and one that's still kind of developing. I mean, yes. Buckers is four miles short of his $1 million grift total, but he's implugging along regardless. He's sought senior counsel advice or some shit. I just can't. No. His legal base is hilariously misguided, basing most of his case on the constitutional point that prohibits the, co- the Commonwealth from conscripting vibe. doctors to perform procedures. It totally mm. is a fucking vibe. You know what? <laughs> People and doctors are different. It's just ridiculous. And also, he's claiming that quarantine is an exclusive power of the Commonwealth when it's concurrent with the states. So, look, it gets mm. a bit boring with the word constitution thrown around, but we are just going to see how the next week plays yeah. out and then deliver you a hot, steaming pile of GMB gibberish and bullshit for you next week. Yeah, that's next week. But because this podcast doesn't pay for itself. Yes, it fucking does. This stupid thing costs you a fortune. <laughs> well, you're not getting paid. You're on slave wages. <laughs> uh, but our fortunes have changed because today's conditional release program is proudly brought to you today by Dr. Joseph McCullough's fermented elderberry. 60 capsules for twenty six fifty six a bottle. That's a bargain, John. Bargain at twice the price. Now, look, Dr. McCullough's fermented elderberry isn't simply designed to give you the most expensive piss going around. <laughs> it's a respiratory facilitator. Oh, how now, convenient. Joe can't actually come out and say this because then he'd have to register his elderberry capsules with the FDA and he sure as hell ain't doing that but the elderberry Mm. capsules are designed to improve lung function you see where this is going i do feel like i know yeah so if you've got the scandemic plague you can't breathe and it feels like clive palmer is sitting on your chest (laughs) and twerking scoff down some of joe mccullough's elderberry capsules take two at night and call joe in the morning Actually, take as many as you like because you'll be fucking dead in the morning. There's no prospect of getting poisoned like you can with the experimental genetic vaccine. Chuck a few elderberry pills down the back of your throat and start pissing like a millionaire. It contains (laughs) nearly four times the anthocyanins of other commonly consumed berries. It shits all over strawberries. That's actually a claim that he made, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it has That's really embarrassing. Look, it has important flavonoids. You need those flavonoids. All day. Researchers believe elderberry supports levels of cytokines. They love that word. That act as messengers in your immune system that promote a sufficient and timely response. Just like the vaccine, but fruitier. Ooh, delicious. It's the pill you take when you ask the eternal question which black pill fuckwit said that? That's really good. Cytokine storm is the most annoying fucking term. I've always <laughs> used it. Flavonoids? What? Flavonoids. I love it. Like it's just. <laughs> it it's sounds great. like something you know the the, the 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 great writers from The Simpsons had come up with. You know? <laughs> it does actually. <laughs> Flavonoids. <laughs> <laughs> and today, Joel. If you get all three questions answered correctly, if you answer all three questions correctly, Joe, you'll be infected with the Delta variant of COVID-19 and given a six-pack of Joe McCullough's elderberry capsules. No vaccine for you, old son. You don't need it. Just a blast of elderberry. You're probably already consuming some elderberry already with all that fucking awful cordial beer you drink. (laughs) So you're off to a flying start. Here we go. Here's the first quote. Which black pill fuckwit said this? I've tweeted the president. That's POTUS 45, by the way. Mm. I've tweeted the president asking for leniency for anyone that comes clean and admits they, quote, cheated a little or looked the other way. 
But after these results are certified, I, along with over 100 million Americans, will want nothing less than, all in caps, severe consequences. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think we're talking about treason again, aren't we? Anyway. Love that word. Yeah. Was it Ron Watkins, Q sociopath, who remains astonishingly unarrested? What is with that? <laughs> someone do something. <laughs> Can someone please arrest Ron Watkins? Was it Mike Lindell? No matter if no matter if you had a bad day yesterday and an equally awful one today, it's a <laughs> mile short from the steaming ball of shit Mike Lindell woke up to this morning. Uh. Uh, was it Bobby Pitton, QAnon grifter, mathematician who can't do basic arithmetic and is also an Illinois candidate for oh, yeah. Congress? He's running. I fucking hate that guy. Was it Lynn Wood, uh, who's uh, not just had a bad day like Mike Lindell has had, but he's had a fucking terrible year? He has. And he brought it upon himself. Who said, I've tweeted the president asking for leniency for anyone that comes clean and admits they cheated a little or looked the other way after these results are certified. I, along with over 100 million Americans, Americans will want nothing less than severe consequences. I'm going with Lynn. It's got that death element to it. Oh, man. You struck it already. It was Bobby. What? Bobby Pitton. What? Um, yeah, oh, my God. It was Bobby Pitton. He wants severe Damn consequences. It. He's another... He's another election truther, of course. But he's more yeah. of a nerd. He's not so fucking biblical yeah, and sketchy as Lynn Wood. That has the biblical vibes to it. Yeah, he does uh, does spend a fair bit of time, perhaps too much time with Lynn Wood, and a fair bit of time with Ron Watkins as well. Any time is too much time. And then all of a sudden you start reaching for severe consequences. So it looks like like you won't be infected infected with COVID. Uh, But look, I do have discretionary powers. And if you manage to get these next two right, we could still give it a lash. To be honest, I'm double vaccinated, so I don't really give a fuck. It'll be like two days of being, I'm a bit sleepy. Yeah, and if people wonder why we hate Ron Watkins so much, you know, we believe that he is certainly the fabricator of QAnon, certainly not, in its last two years, essential. if not if not the, the key. Uh, and, uh, and and Watkins' uh, contrivances and nonsense has, has created an appalling set of circumstances. I mean, just this week, uh, the death of two very young children in Mexico murdered by their fucking Q-pilled father with a spear gun because he thought, you know, uh, his wife... Their mother had infected the children with serpent's blood. I yeah. mean, you are fucking down for this, Ron. You yeah. fucking. You have blood on your hands. You've all got blood on your hands, you absolute scumbags. And mm. some of you know it's bullshit, and some of you believe it. The ones who know it's bullshit, you have blood on your hands. And the ones who believe it, you're just fucking morons. All right, we've got a question too. And I'm still going to throw it open. If you if you manage to f- manage to get these two, we will infect you with the Delta variant. Excellent. I'm looking forward some, to it. Pop some elderberry, elderberry pills in your gob. Just eat some COVID scabs to get infected. Quote number good. two. He checked to see if his skin had been penetrated by a needle or any other device and called the police to report the incident. Unfortunately... All three men had disappeared from the lobby by the time the police arrived to take their report. The police also checked under his arm for any obvious injuries. What the fuck? Was it a spokesman for Mike Lindell? Was it a spokesman for Pete Evans? Was it a spokesman (laughs) for Eric Trump? Or was it a spokesman for Donald Trump? I'm going for Mike. It sounds like Mike. It's delusional nonsense. Yeah, look. One of the truly amusing incidents that happened during his symposium was that Mike, 
reported that he had been beaten up. He'd been assailed. Oh, yeah, by Antifa. That's right. That's right. He'd been assailed by Antifa and that someone had put <laughs> some sort of karate death hold on him by, by sticking his fingers up in his armpits. Good luck with that. I mean, you know, you're getting well paid as a hitman if, it's, if you've been told we want him killed by, you know, armpit. In suffocation. <laughs> uh, in suffocation. So, so yeah, so apparently this all happened. The the police reports were made, uh, not contemporaneously, a number of hours <laughs> later when uh, nothing could be seen. So they checked Mike Lindell. He thought he might have been, he might have been uh, involuntarily vaxxed, I guess, when Ooh. they were checking for needle marks. That but, is a uh, great excuse. Yeah, there'll be some, there'll be more coming up there. Good luck hitting that pipe there, Mike. You're really giving it a nudge. Fucking right. It's okay. So you're still live. You're still live in the game here, Joel. And here we go to our last quote, which Blackpill Fuckwitch said this. Nobody said that. 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 Okay. I think this interview is over. Oh, my God. Was it? Unreinstated 45th POTUS and not 47th, Donald J. Trump. Was it pipe-hitting billionaire for now, Mike Lindell? Was it former lawyer in the fetal position right now, sucking his thumb and rocking gently from side to side, Rudy Giuliani? Or was it one of the 23% of Republicans polled who said it's likely that Trump will be reinstated as president before the end of 2021? Ah, fuck my brains. This is actually really hard. Um, Ah, um... I'm going to go with Rudy Giuliani. You have failed utterly. And ah. Yes, it was, in fact, Mike Lindell again. It was Mike. I yeah, want to be like fr- Mike. <laughs> he was fronted and said, now, Mike, you did actually mention this August the 13th day uh, <laughs> as, as, as the day that uh, President oh, uh, President number 45 would become president number 47. Yeah, well. And his reply was to say nobody said that about 100 times. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they walk away from the interview. Yeah. It's more, like a CD that's like more scratched. More crack over here for Mike, please. Yeah, yeah. He's really hitting that pipe very he's hard. Hitting hard. He's hitting it hard. Now, we yeah, ask boy. listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bill Fuckwitz. We want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid. Drop us a line. We'll send you a stubby holder and some assorted TCRP tatter. I just had badges made up, whatever. If you make our lives easier and send Jack a quote, we can use on the show. Yes, indeed. Uh, the Conditional Release Program Stubby Holder is the only stubby holder clinically proven to keep drinks cold. And we have the study that proves that. I can't find it at the moment. It's here somewhere. Under Always in the last place you look, of course. Always. But it's peer-reviewed Always. by some blokes in white lab coats from Equatorial Guinea who didn't ask for too much money. But they are my peers, your peers, <laughs> and their peerless conclusions are that the Conditional Release Program Stubby Holder keeps drinks cold and used in conjunction with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine <laughs> may keep you protected from COVID-19 infection and SIB, Ooh. sudden irreversible beer warming. Oh, God forbid. So if you want to keep your piss cold while you're sitting back knocking, knocking back a few Dr. Joe McCullough's elderberry capsules and breathing like a fucking Olympic champion, drop us a line. Mark to the attention of me, that's Jack, at our email address, the conditional release program at gmail.com. Do it for you, do it for us, do it for Joe McCola's endless pile of money, do it for your lungs. Drop us a line, listeners. (laughs) 
And kicking off our anti-vax update this week, we start with the stats. Um, 31.1% of the world's population has received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine and 23.4% is fully vaccinated, almost a quarter of the globe's population. And that's 4.66 billion doses have been administered globally and 35.85 million are now administered each day. It was 40 million last week. Only 1.2% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose. That's up by uh, 0.01% since last week as well. Not a good stat. In Australia, we have over 20... uh, 0.07% of the population fully vaxxed, with another 17% uh, having received a single dose. Almost 40% in total. It's not bad. We're behind the global average, though, as uh. of 15th of August 22, 2022, when we got these stats out. Uh, we're being edged out by Mexico, but by gee, we've got Nigeria covered. Uh, and they'll never catch us, in my opinion. And they're such famously good runners, too. You'd think they'd, they'd have it in them, but we'll see how we go. So, look. It's been a very busy week for anti-vaxxers who've been raised against machine in the only ways they know how, being violent and annoying. <laughs> the combination, you know, it's like cookies and cream. Kicking off festivities, the pilled idiots of London converged at Television Centre in London to protest the BBC. Why is that, you might ask? The BBC just isn't pilled enough for them, daring to report that vaccines are effective and that anti-vaxxers yeah. keep publicly dying. Oh. Dozens, yes, Dozens, there are dozens of us, dozens of idiots took to the BBC headquarters to storm the building and show them what several people are capable of. (laughs) Of course, anti-vaxxers being anti-vaxxers, they stormed the wrong fucking building. Big thanks to my sister Jess for the tip on this one. It's a very funny story. I love you for sending it to me. I would have found it anyway, but you got it to me early. And also, just as a side note, Jess has a cracking new podcast called The Trap. She put a lot of hard work into it. Go have a listen. The Trap, any good podcast Give it a listen, listeners. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. So the television centre has not actually housed the BBC since 2013. Yeah, but it's called the television centre. It's the centre of television. It says it on the front of the building, Joel. It's it's on the box. It's not anymore, Jack, because they simply just didn't do their own fucking research, did they? Yeah, so ITV have a couple of studios in the building. But it's primarily residential apartments. Oh, whoopsies. People people waking up having their their homes assailed by fucking morons. Uh, It's so good. Anti-vaxxers, for the most part, are known to be fucking simpletons, but storming the wrong building is special even for them. Yeah, you see, if you avoid the lying mainstream media, you tend not to be abreast of little details like the fact that BBC haven't been in a fucking building for over 10 years. But it was called the television centre. I don't... I understand. It says, says television. It says it right there. So protesters were shouting, shame on you, shame on you, which is a classic. Shame, you know. Shame, man, shame, shame. With one accusing the corporation of not giving out the right information, uh, which is a classic, and uh, claiming they are coming for our fucking children. Mm. Okay, cool. Yep, the, re- the residents of this apartment block. <laughs> <laughs> Coming there, could be some, there could be some pedos in there really worried. They're like, how do they know? So no arrests were made on that day. And I think this own goal really served its own purpose. I don't, I don't think you need to arrest these fucking idiots because mm. they really did just kick themselves yeah, in the dick. Uh, you got to put that down to just reckless stupidity and it let them just, go home. It's let a great story. Let them go home story. with their hoof and eyelid steaks and fucking <laughs> oven, 
oven baked chips and yes, and yes, exactly. uh, off you they're, go there, boys. They're, they're fish sticks. So speaking of idiots protesting, it would seem there's a little protest coming up on the weekend. And honestly, Telegram yes. is seriously flaming yeah. hot with this one. They are throwing their best there's behind a it. Lot of noise. Rap Van Anders is doing some. Week bullet train shit it's all fucking weird it's going to be held at victoria park in sydney this coming saturday and honestly that is not incitement don't go you will get fined and your skull will probably be cracked the last (laughs) one was really big and the cops were wearing their fluoro kit gloves but this one looks to be an absolute fucking cracker i mean the cops are so keen for a biff yeah they're looking forward to it Oh yeah, totally. To the rematch. Yeah. Oh, this is definitely the uh, yeah. This is this is the welter versus the heavy, and the usual suspects. They're riling up the punters for this big day out they're going on now. We're going to report on this one in detail for what it is. It's a fucking riot in the making and a super yep. spreader event, which is just going to kick this plague into overdrive. I mean, yep. and speaking of the super spreader event, while the idiots on Telegram gloat that this last protest was not responsible for any cases and that outside transmission isn't a thing and this whole thing is just a democratic exercise, it looks like gathering in close quarters and screaming droplets into the air actually does transmit COVID-19. Who would have thought it? Where were the scientists? Where were the scientists? So I've had a report from a listener who's staying fucking anonymous on this one, with receipts showing that one of the attendees of the recent protest tested positive for COVID-19 approximately Uh one week after the event. Oh, Uh I wonder where they got it. Now, okay, obviously we don't know for sure they contracted the virus at the protest, but with cases ramping up, the plague ripping through Western Sydney, it's looking more and more likely that gathering in a crowd during an outbreak was actually a really bad idea. Quell surprise. (laughs) So it looks like the anti-lockdowners, ironically, might actually have their way this weekend because a super spreader event of this size may very well tip us over into the we have to live with COVID phase of the plan. I reckon you should be careful what you wish for you unvaccinated fucking plague rats <laughs> oh yeah we'll be keeping a very close eye on that next week yes it, we will. Uh, does promise to be a major event <laughs> oh, and yes. moving our gaze overseas we saw a pill german nurse replacing pfizer jabs with saline gel it's not a nice thing to do so the nurse who'd been sharing anti-vax bullshit on social media administered over eight thousand jabs to elderly people people yeah. at high risk of death from yeah. COVID 19 in a place where the plague is pretty fucking active with nothing but saline in the syringe now initially it was reported she did this to cover up for dropping a vial so she said basically she dropped a vial it smashed she used saline to cover up for the loss and only six people have received a dummy shot. But like most anti-vaxxers, she's a fucking liar and actually yeah. did this systematically over a long period of time to thousands of people. Her undoing came at the hands of a colleague who she confided in because anti-vaxxers are convinced by their cult that everyone agrees with them. So she thought that she'd be celebrated for her brave stance. But no, her <laughs> no. colleague knocked her out because... She's a fucking asshole, and now people are booking appointments to get a real jab in the arm. Yeah, they're replacing them very quickly. But, yeah, the, the nurse has not been charged but has been suspended from duties. You you are not a fucking hero. You're, you're a despicable You're a terrible fucking, person. You're a despicable human being. Who's elderly people. Elderly people at risk. What a fucking yes. asshole. And all of this shows that anti-vaxxers have been hard at work. Their hobby cult is probably at the peak of plausibility before it all comes crashing down and is exposed for the complete sham that it is. Yeah, I mean, like, anti-vax groups are still pushing the idea the vaccine is going to kill us all. Of course they are. But it's been a full year since the Phase 3 clinical trials began, July Mm. 27th last year. And with 43,000 people Mm. celebrating their first anniversary of being vaccinated, fuck all has happened to them. They're not infertile. They're not dead. They're fine. Mm. 
the usual goalpost set by anti-vaxxers is three years. It's just a random number, really. That's when we're all going to die. But so far, it's looking a little bit unlikely. I mean, yep. fingers crossed for a mass casualty event, guys. Mm-hmm. There was, there's one coming, but it, it might, <laughs> might be coming <laughs> a little closer to home. It yeah. may very well be. So, I mean, look, those that bought the big lie about a vaccine holocaust are paying pretty dearly. As countries reopen and restore back to normality, vocal opponents of the COVID vaccine are dying very publicly, quite embarrassingly, from the virus they believe does not exist. So we covered a few of these last week, and there's been plenty fucking more. I mean, like, it's just going to keep happening. Leslie Lawrenson, 58, died from COVID-19 after refusing the vaccine for being too experimental. His wife is quoted to say, I feel incredibly foolish Les died unnecessarily, and that's kind of sad. Yeah, look, I saw, I saw the video, and, and 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 he was describing his symptoms. He starts off, he's like, "Oh, it's just like a cold," and uh, an hour later, yeah, it's a bad cold. I have to say, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's right up there, you know, with some of the worst colds I've had. And yeah. by the end of the video, you know, basically Clive Palmer is sitting on his sitting on his chest and twerking, and he's in a shitload of trouble. And of course, he ended up dying. People do descend really rapidly from this virus. It's fucking sad. And look, Lawrence's story is one of many. But the reason why people are focusing on this one is he was highly educated. You know, lots of people like this die all the time, but not many make it to the news. This guy went to fucking Cambridge. It's really opened up the conversation about who can fall for this bullshit. We always think of anti-vaxxers as people who are terrified of clouds, the moon, tap water. You know, (laughs) terrifying. But there are a few out there who are otherwise, at least on paper, fairly clever people. And this is the thing. Their intelligence only adds to their arrogance. It cements this idea they have indeed done their own research. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. The majority of anti-vaxxers in the news who died from the virus are conservative commentators. A radio commentator, Dick Farrell, chose not to be vaccinated after saying, what are my odds of getting COVID? You know, they're pretty low. I'll roll the dice. What are my odds of dying from COVID if I do get it? Probably way less than 1%. Dick's dead. Uh, he uh, he did the hundred to one shot, and uh, he's dead <laughs> at sixty five. His last rem- remarks were a little more poignant, perhaps a little bit more important. Important where he where he pleaded with people to go and get vaccinated. That's pretty wise advice at this point. So, look, we could cover the countless examples of people who express their regret on their deathbeds for believing the bullshit of the anti-vax cult, and you would think these stories are compelling. I mean, you'd think that they would change the mind of anti-vaxxers who see people dying in regret from a preventable disease. Mm. But no, 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 no. They don't give a fuck. They still think it's all a hoax. They still think it's all a sham, and it's a matter of time before the jab kills us all. Well, mate... It seems like you guys are dying before we are, strangely enough, but just a bit, bit strange. And it wouldn't be an anti-vaxxer update without a few violent incidents to report. This week, a 50-year-old man was charged with common assault, two counts of drug possession and breaching public health orders after he approached a female staff member, a tester, at a mm. COVID testing site in Sydney's northwest. Uh, he was not wearing a mask, which is a huge red flag. Fucking huge. And started filming the 31-year-old work verbally abusing her about vaccinations. It's alleged that he dislodged the woman's mask and punched her in the head. Fucking hell. Fucking charming. People jumped yeah. out of their cars and assisted the worker and the fuckwit fled on foot. He was arrested the next morning, thankfully, but then he was granted conditional bail. He's attending Parramatta Local Court on the 28th of September. Curious to see whether he takes a holiday. I think he fucking should. There's two protests mm. planned before then, though. 
I wonder if he can manage to stay home and miss out on all the fun. Uh, not even sure why he got bailed, Joel. I mean, it's just... Um, He's clearly I, a menace to society. I know our magistrates and judges are a bit concerned about uh, what might happen to COVID outbreak in a prison. But, um, yeah. yeah, on the basis of what we know about that particular offence, I, I think he's pretty likely to get bail. I think he's going on a holiday, but who knows? Look, you know, the law is a funny thing. So, in other violent anti-vaxxer news, this week, Richard Nielsen, 66 years young from the Central Coast, pleaded guilty to the charge of using intimidation to unlawfully influence a person. Mm. What a... What a niche law that is to break. So, Nilsson, who makes his money selling colloidal silver, because, like, of course he does. I mean, yeah, like, you go. There you go. There's a sign right there. He sent a charming unhinged email full of badly written threats to good friend of the podcast, journalist and anti-vax slayer, Jane Hansen. She's More power to you, Jane. More power to you. Love her. She's so good. She's so brutal. The subject was, here's a quote, when is a murder warranted, question mark, yours, comma, yes, question mark. Which is, of course, textbook anti-vaxxer language. He's just asking questions, you know? He's just asking questions. He's just asking questions when he's making a fucking death threat. I mean, come on, man. Like, what? So then he goes on to say, in the body of the email, I am proposing that your murder might well be a celebration of not life but death. And what a celebrated and glorious one at that. I mean, look, I'm just going to level with you here. This is a threat not only to good friend of the show, Jane Hansen, but also just communication as a concept. I mean, <laughs> Richard... What the fuck was that? Are you serious? I think the colloidal silver is making you illiterate. He may, he may have eaten quite a lot of it. He um, really has. He's been chomping the silver. So he went on to say, and I quote, I know 10,000 that would do it, but ooh. of course it only needs one and you will never know until it is too late. You piece of shit. Okay. And then he said, I expect you might meet your maker maybe in the near future. Ooh. The sooner the better. Yes? Question mark? Like, fucking hell, Richard. Just asking questions. Just asking questions while making death threats. It's just so bad. Like, honestly, get a ghostwriter to pen up your death threats. Get a mate (laughs) to do it for you. Maybe, like, throw it on fucking Airtasker. This isn't your first one, surely, and it's probably not your last. Get your fucking act together because that was fucking terrible. Like, honestly, I just, I, I weep. I weep for these people who can't put a good death threat together. At least you should write it well. So we got a 12-month good boy behaviour bond. He should have got fucking 10 years inside the crimes against literacy. I mean, look, nobody's expecting your general violent anti-vaxxer to be a poet or even semi-literate at this point. Just snip, but snip, this, snip words out of magazines, mate. Yeah, know? do something cool. Like, oh. this was just awful to read. Even Thanos could have done a better job than this. Well, Thanos is, you know, Thanos is a pretty stupid guy, but he's, he's, he's not, not involved in this he's kind of level of, stu- of, 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 of really un- you know, disgusting behaviour. And he deserves a jail sentence, stupid. this bloke. And not least of all, because Jane Hansen has been a, uh, a pro-vaccinator and basically uh, in the in the backside's heart of the anti-vax movement for a very, very long time. Yeah. No, nah, she's a bit of a hero. Bit of a hero. And meanwhile, Joel, in the Northern Rivers, COVID has struck. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Oh, no. So- Pete Evans. Pete, Pete? Is, is Pete okay? That's the first Pete- question. Pete's fine. He lives on a fucking acreage. He's doing nothing but swimming in fucking beautiful surrounds and having a dream of a life doing ketamine lines off his fucking oyster patch. So speaking of Pete, it's actually this guy is from Pete's old stomping ground in Rose Bay. The absolute fucking arrogance displayed by the man responsible for bringing COVID to the anti-vax capital of Australia has even taken me by surprise. I mean, there is brazen defiance of public health orders. And then there's this. This is the next level. Yeah. This is way out there. This fucking guy, later named to be Zoran Radovanovich, 52 years young, 
left his wife in Sydney in hospital. A strange wife, you were saying? I'm not sure. Not I sure. didn't do my own research. I actually don't care that much about this fucking guy. With COVID, to go and do house shopping yeah. in Byron with his kids. Not like not like house things shopping, actual house shopping. He's just casually going to buy a house. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was yeah. going to live with his kindred spirits up there who also don't believe in fucking COVID. So his fucking wife is in hospital with COVID. He leaves her there to go on a road trip to Byron to buy a house. Now He doesn't believe in COVID. That's the first he, thing. He doesn't believe he doesn't. that he's wasil. He thinks so of course it's all he bullshit. Get tested. So yep. it's time to jump in the car and go and check out some real estate. In Why Byron. is she in hospital? Oh, because she's lazy and she doesn't yeah. eat enough supplements. <laughs> so yeah. in the end, Zoran didn't get tested to find out he was nope. COVID positive. No, he called an ambulance due to overwhelming COVID symptoms. Huh. He was tested in a hospital bed after it- he stopped being able to breathe. <laughs> This a is worse than a thing. This this does feel worse than a cold. Yeah, funny that you <laughs> fucking moron. So of course, textbook. He refused to use QR codes. So contract tracers had yep. to ask him where he'd been. And Mister Radovanovich was not forthcoming with details. Quell mm. fucking surprise again. This is despite the fact that he's fully aware of the severity of a COVID infection. His wife goes to hospital. He's like, ah, can't be that bad. He goes to hospital. Ah, can't be that bad. This guy's a fucking COVID denier of the most cognitive dissonant type. Mm. How do you possibly think it's okay to spread the virus up the coast of New South Wales after your wife's been hospitalized and then you start getting a bit chesty? So after his identity was revealed, Jerno's dug up his past. He's a sketchy bastard. Convictions for growing marijuana, burglary, and forgery. Charming. Total piece of shit. His dickhead kid managed to make the news for being charged with drink driving twice over in the course of three days. Mm. One incident, including a police pursuit and resisting arrest. Uh, he's a bright boy too. The apple has fallen very close to the tree there. It really fucking has. Gravity has done its bit and yanked it down a foot. He's going to front up to Lismore Local Court on September 13th, having to revisit the hotspot he's infected. And I don't know, like, maybe is he going to be out of hospital by then? Let's see if the guy fucking lives. <laughs> And the reason why these idiots think COVID is a hoax and the vaccine is a depopulation campaign is no accident. We all know about the disinformation dozen and their shitty vitamins and supplement empires propped up by anti-vax propaganda, but the sketchy Russian element always seems a bit conspiratorial for most of us. But it has been revealed that a Russian influencers marketing agency called FAZ, that's F-A-Z-Z-E, has been offering YouTube uh, has been offering YouTubers money to spout anti-vax bullshit. A German YouTuber YouTuber blew the whistle on this after receiving an email offering him to provide supposedly leaked information that claimed a death rate of those taking the Pfizer jab is three times that of the AstraZeneca jab, which is, of course, bullshit. Complete bullshit. I mean, there was another YouTuber, a Frenchman, that runs a science-based channel, like the worst person to possibly approach for this, offered him 2,000 euros to take part Mm. in this program. So... Faz claimed to be acting for a client that wished to remain anonymous. Of course, yeah. they do. The YouTuber was told to act like you have passion and interest in the topic and not to mention the bit was sponsored. Yeah. Instead, appearing to be genuinely believing the claims made comment. and just, you know, making that a personal interest. Yes, cash a comment. <laughs> That's reaching back into the vault. It's illegal not to disclose sponsorship on social media in France and Germany. So, of course, this is a no-no from the start. But two influencers from India and Brazil did take the money and made Uh-oh. the videos as brief. Oh, that's very naughty. It is a bit naughty. They deleted the videos, but they were refusing to comment on it. They were just being general assholes about it. So this was apparently the second wave of campaigns that Faz has coordinated with the first wave making ridiculous claims that the adenovirus-based AstraZeneca vaccine would turn people into monkeys. I mean, I wish I was fucking well, not kidding. Yet. Not yet. Yes. 
in three years. And this actually harks back to an old trope that the smallpox vaccine, which was based on this whole cow concept, would mm. turn people into cows. It's fucking history repeating itself. We just we just don't learn. The campaign was running Hindi, apparently very poorly constructed Hindi with some strange Portuguese things in there, but aimed at an Indian audience, which is somewhere that's been ravaged by COVID-19, using farmed accounts from Bangladesh and Pakistan. Now, while Facebook has done a massive clear out of these bots implicated in the campaign, as usual, too fucking little, too fucking too late. Too late, yeah. Face the textbook Facebook action. So the motive behind the disinformation campaign isn't known, but it's speculated to be aimed at undermining vaccines produced in the West in place of the Russian candidate Sputnik V. Mm, Sputnik, mm, love that. Love that I'll Sputnik fu- vaccine. I'll grab one, you know. I love borscht. As borscht. disinformation spreads like wildfire across YouTube, TikTok and Instagram, it's incredibly hard to know what's legitimate stupidity and what's actually backed by dark money, especially love considering it. they're like mm. stipulating do not mention us. The exposure of the FAS campaign is surely one of the many behind the tone of bullshit aimed at young people who are making fucking important health decisions during a fucking pandemic. It's not a joke. This isn't a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And finally, to wrap up the anti-vaxxer update, we look at the petition which demands the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Association of Australia, assess hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin as treatments for COVID, clearly ignoring the fact that the evidence used to justify drinking sheep drench with your breakfast was completely fucking made up. They managed to get 96,000 signatures. I'd like to have a good look at them before their time was up. Yeah. Circulating around Telegram is a call to action stating that it needs over 100,000 signatures to be automatically tabled in Parliament, which is just bullshit, by the way. Not only did they fall short of their number by just a whisker, but the fucking idiots are quoting a UK procedure. There's no number set by the Australian government to table petitions in our Parliament. So for the millionth and definitely not final time... Not the final time. Whether it's petition procedures or protest locations, anti-vaxxers, please, for once in your lives, do Do your fucking fucking research. Jesus. And in our deeper dive today, we're going to have a look at the late, great Donnie Rumsfeld's known knowns, unknown knowns, and (laughs) unknown unknowns. When we take a look at the next 12 months in politics during a pandemic, Mm. see, like comedy, politics is all about timing. And there are certain fixed dates for events we need to look at over the next 12 months. And once we consider these, uh, the picture looks clearer. Uh, the, crystal, uh, the crystal ball is still covered with mist and what appears to be a cloud of shit in the, yeah. on the horizon, but there are certain dates that we can already pencil in. The first is that a House of Reps election must be held by or before the 3rd of September 2022. That's fucking ages away. Yeah, that seems like a long way away, but then there's a half-Senate election due by uh, May 21, 2022. That's the rub. months earlier. Now, yep. the likelihood of the government organising a half-Senate election and then going yeah. to a full House of Reps two months later is probably not going to stand up or two or three months later. So um, there's no real likelihood of that happening. People always get angry. They're like, oh, two elections, that's fucked. Yes, well, people will get angry, particularly when they realise that a half-senate election is just the most boring thing in the world. We haven't (laughs) had one for for a good 40 years. Um, uh, So that date, that date when the half-senate election is due, is May 21 of 2022, May 21 of 2022, I should say, that that is when we will have the next federal election. 
before that, between now yeah. uh, <coughs> and, and, and May 21, Odds on. 2022. Yep. Well, it's actually not now because um, uh, Morrison could call a double dissolution election if he had the triggers, and he doesn't. Oh, fucking please don't. Uh, he, could devol- he could dissolve the parliament by 31 December 2021. Don't but, do it uh, again. Doesn't have the triggers, and um, and uh, it's uh, would seem to be a fairly unlikely event anyway. So that May 21, 21 of twenty twenty two stands up as the as the end time for an election. So uh, so any time between now and then we'll have a federal election, and it will frame policy and the entire approach on pandemic management because the mobbing government they're going to be going around offending as few people as they possibly can. <laughs> yes, that's well said. This yeah. is why this date, those, that date yeah. is very, very yeah. important. Pissing off as few people as possible. Pandemic history so far, we've we've endured a good uh, 15, 16 months of this. Uh, and what we've seen in the States over that period is a powerful surge of electoral support for incumbents, although well, those already in government. That means Mark McGowan's huge win in WA in March this year was absolutely history-making, and Anastasia Palaszczuk extended her majority in, in the Queensland state election uh, in October last year, uh, and the Liberal government in Tasmania was returned in May. So This relies on good management, though. <laughs> this, is, this is strong support for the idea that incumbency is very, very powerful or has been. Mm. Uh, uh, the question is, will those strong factors in support of incumbents, those already in power, come forward in the next election? Nah. Or has it dropped off? Because in polling, at least, there is a strong suggestion the benefits of incumbency have reduced or may have, in fact, have gone away. Uh, Scott Morrison's approval ratings have been falling for much of the last three months. News poll has his approval rating at 84% in February. Jesus, who they poll? Retirement villages? Now it is in negative territory. He, he still yeah. leads Albanese's preferred prime minister for what it's worth. It's really just a popularity contest, that one. Yeah. Uh, it's not significant polling data, I don't think. But, um, look, if, if a leader of the opposition was preferred prime minister significantly over a long period of time, it would matter. Um, yeah, it would, but yeah. but what's normal is that a sitting prime minister is the preferred prime minister. But uh, the two parties head to head. The Labor leads fifty three forty seven. Yeah, you know. So uh, if we go to the numbers, Labor holds national sixty nine seats. So they need a net gain of four seats to hold more seats in the coalition in the house. Not a lot, not and a, lot. a net seven for a bare majority government. Yeah. So that's the equation for a, a change of government in it's this doable. country. It's very doable. Yeah, that's the minimum. So it's yeah. Look, you know, Melbourne's small target <coughs> strategy. You know, I've I've mocked it and and derided it. I don't like it, but it might be paying off. It might Who knows? Yeah. yeah, but the, what, what, what you can say is the election is there to be won or lost. It's very, very close. There's there's yeah. a, a, a handful of seats on both sides of the pendulum, both parties that are absolutely razor's edge um, uh, marginal seats, and uh, you know the flip could uh, could happen very, very easily. Um, so it won't be over Easter. We won't be having an election over Easter. Yeah, but it's going to be sometime, probably March, April. Or May. Yeah. A national cabinet rolled out a four-phase plan. 
uh, and we could tell a few other things that might happen. And while, while those, while that four-phase plan is not actually dated, there are no specific dates attached around them, we can tell us certain things are going to happen in this country, uh, particularly as our vaccination rates increase. Yeah. And and we're currently in phase one with a phase two. So we're sort of on the cusp of phase two of this four-phase plan that the National Cabinet has. And, uh, and the triggers for opening them up our vax rates. So we'll know when we hit 70% of adults, that's not, that's just 70% yeah, that's, of adults, yeah. not Kids the total population. Are we going to start yeah. opening up then? Uh, and, and when we get to 70% across the country, when are we going to get there? It's slow in WA so far. Uh, and uh, indeed, uh, Premier McGowan there has said, uh, we, uh, we, when we get around to it, uh, probably February, <laughs> you know. Go have a chat to us after Christmas. It's um, fucking easy when there's no plague there. Oh, look, it like- will be a problem for them if they if they really slow if they if they are a long way away from national look, averages. Look at New South Wales. New South Wales was all like, oh, I'll get the vaccine when I'm ready. Now they're queuing up for AstraZeneca like fucking on mass because once the plague hits, people get vaccinated. So in yeah. Western Australia, all we need to do is just send old Zoran Radovanovich <laughs> over there. You know, go to Subiaco, <laughs> watch a footy kids. game. Game. Kids in the back, yeah. <laughs> and off you Problem go. Problem solved. Problem too, solved. Yeah, too good. Yeah, get him out. Get him out. You'll hit eighty percent in the fucking week. Jet skiing holiday in Perth. <laughs> jet ski. He. What's the fucking bet he owns a jet ski? That fucking oh, guy. Well, there was a there was a photo of him and his son. Uh, him and his son uh, on the on the jet ski. Oh my god! Go, I thought yeah. you were kidding. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're jet ski people. Um, uh, anyway, so. Um, I know the government, within the government, they're fairly confident of that 70%. They're a little bit shaky on the 80%. Yeah. Uh, it's a and big so one. we'll get to a point where we, and, and this, you know, this is what's happened in the United States and the United, United Kingdom, and we've had supply issues with our vaccinations <laughs> directly. Uh, Has been uh, great. A bit of bad luck and a bit of bad judgment uh, from the yeah. from Morrison government. But, but, um, the US, at least we can learn from the US and, and the UK, etc., that everyone who wants to get vaccinated rolls out, you know, that they, they move yeah. quickly and they get yeah. that done. So when, when we start getting to the sort of October, November period of this year, we'll start scraping the bottom of that barrel. Yeah, yeah. The hesitant right? will start queuing out or not. Policy will need to be directed at the hesitant. That comes with yep. all sorts of problems. What incentives are going to be given? Are they going to be given some cash maybe? I mean, that's yeah. the approach in Biden's America now is the, the, the $100 offer because they are going, you know, as they say, street to street, house to house because they have hit the bottom of the barrel. Now, just give everyone who gets vaccinated, just give them a cat. Just, you know, <laughs> here's a cat. Good luck to you. It would solve a number of problems at once. <laughs> you would have to yes, the mouse plague. <laughs> my God, this is a feral cat. It's a, Two like, plagues in one. Yeah, like a lion. Like a, have to take home a bobcat. Um, <laughs> so we know, you know. So what? What policies might the government come up with there? And and we know whatever they're going to be is going to cause is going to cause a lot of uh, hubbub in the election. I think uh, in the electorate, I think there's there's broad support for paying people to get vaccinated. We love money. But if we've got to that 70%, everyone's just done it freely and voluntarily and then we're throwing money at the vaccine hesitant, there's yeah. likely to be a cry of saying, well, why, do, yeah. why aren't we getting any money yeah. for our vaccination? That's it. So yeah. you, you, you almost have to make it retrospective. That's, that's a huge political problem. There are, there are all sorts of political problems 
uh, on the on the line for the Morrison government uh, related to pandemic management. There are others outside of that that cause all sorts of problems, like the Brittany Higgins prosecution that will be going through the electoral yeah. cycle. Um, but um, getting back to this, we get to you know that seventy percent, then we go out. So we hope at some point we will have to announce a date when when we open up. Oh. And- <clears throat> let me please. And let me tell you that will not be before the next election. <laughs> yeah, that is won't. not going to happen before the next election. It's so going to be a mess. We know there's going to be an election uh, at latest in May. <clears throat> so we're not going to be opening up until until at least well you know if we go at, go to the polls in April they might actually announce opening up in May or June but anyone who thinks we're going to be opening up in January or February for example I think you know in terms of our international borders and travelling overseas uh, th- those things are not going to be available to us for for some time you can this you can back that in this guarantees I'm going to miss the nice nails tour that's just what you're saying you're saying you're not seeing. <laughs> Nanny yeah. snails for some time. I, I don't like your chances. So I do not like them. You cannot have an election that runs through what's going to happen in this country when we do open up, when we have Freedom Day, Freedom! <laughs> freedom! No, it won't be marketed that way. We're Australians. No. And, and despite, you know, this sort of... <laughs> image of ourselves as larrikins and us. It's all bullshit. We're, yeah. we're, we're all authoritarians. We need to be given a date, <laughs> but it will not be called Freedom Day. It'll be no. it'll be called Caution Day or, you know, <laughs> the, 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 or, or we might, in fact, have go down that sort of uh, green, uh, orange. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the colour-coded thing. Apprehensive thing. Celebration like, Day. Seems like the Kiwis will follow a bit of English policy uh, yeah. That way, and we might do something similar, but there will be a date when everything changes in terms of allowing people into the country, including yep. all of that huge cohort of people who are Australian citizens languishing overseas. Oh, they God. will be coming home, yeah, uh, and finally, you know, obviously, they would be required to vaccinate and so forth, and oh, yeah. essentially have no real controls. That's and through that. We know we're going to get a lot of COVID. We're going to get tons of COVID. Tons of it. In the, in the community. Once we open up, so it's going to happen. How many Greek letters do we have left? On our high vaccination rates. You can't have an election through that period of chaos or no. even after it because people are going to be very, very angry. And then we, and scared. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, those who aren't vaccinated, I mean, as it's been described already in the in the Sydney New South Wales situation, you know, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, of the unvaccinated. So, yeah. and and that is going to heighten. You know, that's just going to get yeah. worse and worse, particularly well, when we open international borders. So that stuff cannot happen uh, <clears throat> until we've had an election. That's the way the Morrison government will have to look at this strategically. So. Um, <clears throat> we will have an election before we open up. Um, we must have an election by 21st of May of next year. Realistically, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and that's that sort of informs us about what's going to go on. Yeah. Uh, and, and we will have a government in power that are very, very reluctant to deal with that whole anti-vax issue, even anti-lockdown. Yep. They will not want to upset this this sort of group that's uh, that's arisen you know, through the pandemic, anti-lockdowns, anti-vaxxers, links to soft-sit movements, uh, <coughs> QAnon, and various other cults. It's hard to be specific about those numbers in, in Australia at the moment. Yeah. Uh, News poll released uh, 
some uh, data last week suggesting there was a core of 11% of the adult population, voters, uh, who said they would never vaccinate, right? Yeah. And so that's 11%. You know, and everyone was quite pleased about that. That means, therefore, you could get 89%, but there's a don't wow. component and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. yes, that you might be able to get 89% of vaccinated if you've got, you know, this hardcore of 11%. And, and, you know, that would be great. But it's a big chunk of votes. Yeah, that 11% is a big chunk of votes. You've got it's to remember a big chunk of votes. what that is. And, and That's that, a couple of Senate seats. Well, uh, yes, it is most definitely, and, and it's going to up. and it's going to influence through preference allocations what happens in yeah. the House of Reps, and that's perhaps the more more concerning thing. Yeah, who? Which of the two parties is going to pander more to anti-vaxxers to right. get those swing seats down? Now we'll get to the business of parties arising and 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 uh, out of you know the single issue type anti-vaccination parties and um, and, and existing parties like Paul and Hanson's One Nation that were sniffing around like you yeah, wouldn't believe they it are actually, sniffing, aren't they? and then actually saying it although Malcolm Roberts gets <laughs> very close yes, and actually say we're not anti-vax um, an actual uh, subset yeah well it's Paul and Claims famously not to have been vaccinated. I, I think she might be in the hesitant column, quite frankly, I but I don't think she'll be doing it in front of the media, put it that way. I don't think she'll be wearing the, the Broncos, <laughs> Broncos <laughs> jumper and poking that scrawny old arm of hers out. Um, but, yes, we've got, we'll deal with those minor party issues at the moment because basically you've still got this issue of what happens with 11% of that vote. Where, does they, where do those preferences go? Do they go to minor parties like One Nation and others and ultimately extinguish or do they go to basically influence the result of the election? You know, this is now. Now we're in. Now we're in uh, unknown, unknown territory. There's um, a lot of fucking unknowns in that, and it will basically inform the way the Morrison government governs. And I suggest here's my speculation bit. I'd suggest that they will be very weak on anti-vaccination groups. That it, it, it will that the so-called vaccine passports won't be. You know, it won't be like the, uh, the you know, the, the 60 coupons uh, that will save you, you know, save your fortune down at the shops. It, it, yeah. It's it's it, it's going to be, yes, we'll be allowed to perhaps cross borders. Um, it won't affect um, government, government, put it this way, government will not be involved in the business of defining uh, what a business might do. They've already told that. Mm. Um, to to business about employment, a uh, basic a, backing outside those mandatory areas. So you've got frontline health workers and aged care workers. They're saying basically you're on your own. Yeah, and don't employers. expect the Commonwealth to fucking you know legislate something that's going to somehow invalidate state laws or any sort of shit like that. The Commonwealth are on sure board. Enough. True enough. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, which is why Buckley's going to fail miserably. When Morrison babbles about the, the rule of law, he's kind of he's right about that. Um, that they would have to legislate around it, and they would have to indemnify employers against um, <coughs> against legal risk. Which is uh, fucking true. And they've already said we're not going to do that. So that means employers will have to work within the Fair Work Commission. Uh, there'll be, I'm sure, federal court. Uh, exchanges uh, and yeah. so forth, but government will not support them in that. I would actually what? like to see Labor legislate 
to have a uh, compensation plan for people with adverse reactions. I think on a small and a large scale, I think compensation for those who have to take a day off for getting the vax. If you're a construction worker who wasn't going to take the day off but had to take the day off, give them some fucking money. Yeah, there's some there's some, just, there's some good policy ideas there. Um, uh, but really what you've got is is – uh, a very light touch on on uh, the sorts of people who'll be assembling at uh, at Victoria Park in Sydney yeah, yeah. next week. There'll be a, a very light very touch light on touch. them. Well, it depends yeah. on their behaviour a bit too, but but uh, but generally speaking, it's realised within the Morrison government that, that these people are potential Liberal voters, and, and yeah, they are, and and, and uh, they will. Uh, they will not want to go too hard on them. So, and they're so, easily pandered to. Easily pandered while we, to. While we might have thought Vax passports were going to be like, you know, a you know, key to the city, um, it's just, it's it's not going to be that way. It's we're going to see questionable. It, we're going to see, it's going to be a lawyer's picnic, you know. And, yeah. Uh, as, as many of my lawyer friends tell me, you say that as if it's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love a good picnic. <laughs> But it is going to be a lawyer's picnic, and the government's going to try. It kind of trying to talk about your talk talk about your small target strategies. They are going to, you know, sort of curl themselves into a ball and pretend they're not there for the next six months when it comes yeah. to these legal challenges. The odd thing about that is that basically business is the Liberal Party's constituency, yeah. and and the um, irony. It, well, it's not just an irony. It means business is going to be pretty bloody cross. Yeah. Uh, about uh, about the failure of uh, of the government to intervene in a lot of these areas. You can only um, imagine the Business Chamber of Australia backing the Labor Party, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, fucking, yeah, well, I will yeah. die before that happens. Yeah, I know. So, they, they, so, so these things that, you know, they, these things really, I mean, look, you would actually say that the Morrison government is under significant threat at the moment. So it's re- It's really not coping very well. How the country feels about it, once we get to that 70-80% is another matter and that's could you know influence another sort of change of yeah, heart. We don't know what we feel electorate. about it. We won't know about that until it's done. But I think, you know, the the, the the mood of the nation will have changed once we do get to that 70, even 80% um, yeah. uh, adult vaccinated level, and then we're going to have to start vaccinating children too, and then rolling out a booster program. So, oh, um, the whole fucking thing. <laughs> so there's a fair bit of work to be done. <laughs> One wonders just how much they are getting on with. Yeah. Um, when we look at those minor parties, uh, we know uh, Reignite uh, Democracy Australia has been uh, jumping up and down and calling for members and calling for money for members. And, what, the and, $50,000, dollars they raised in membership yeah, fees? Yeah, well, just we're, casually? Still, we're still in the case of RDA. It's well, look, I, I, I will take you back uh, a month from now. The month I checked 15. it recently. Okay, so they're yeah, still not the registered. Day. Still not registered. Yeah. I checked it for this document, and it's still not registered. It, I, I would only caution you, so, caution us both, to say Australian Electoral Commission, if they are uh, examining uh, a, an application, won't make any comment about it. Um, or, or there'd be nothing public about it while they are conducting an, you know, an investigation into. But so far, nothing. I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. it's certainly the case of mine. And I did look. Uh, there's other single interest parties. IMOP. What, what's it stand for, Joe? What the fuck is it? The again? Informed Medical Options Party. Options. Oh. So informed. Oh, of course. So yes. many options. So Your options are either get vaccinated or get fucking COVID and possibly die or possibly be crippled by respiratory issues until you die. You fucking mm. idiots. There's yeah, well, that's that's I'm up and WA. We've got the no man and uh, no uh, mandatory uh, vaccine party. So, yeah. so there's a little no bit of an emerging party. structure 
um, of single-issue parties that will probably not go beyond the next election. And fracture votes, which is good. splinter and die, but they will be up and running in the 2022 election. So <clears throat> they're going to have an impact. Who are they going to preference? So you've got Palmer sniffing around and no, one's, no one knows what he's going to do, whether he's going to weigh in financially with other with some of these other single-issue and minor parties. Yeah. Whether he's, is he uh, going to fund them? That's the real question. Run, well, he's going to run his own candidates. He, he reckons he's going to... Uh, well, I'm sure he has uh, made donations to uh, to Craig Kelly's uh, independent run. I've seen rumblings on Telegram of a lot of these guys who are in the the minor parties saying they are appealing to Palmer for money, and that he, like this, the main question for me with Palmer is: Is he going to put all his resources to find Palmer United Party candidates who are destined to fail because no one likes fucking Palmer? Or is he going to use his money in a dark way and fund people that do like him? He, he literally threw away tens of millions. It was in the end, it was the best part of sixty million dollars. It it's why we got win any representation whatsoever. But he, but he did but he, actually he the uh, influence the outcome through preference. So I'm not in sure what he's going to do this time. Whether he's going to try and throw his money behind himself, or if he's going to give money to more effective minor parties who know how to use it. Because if you use a million dollars at Parliament United, you'll get fucking nowhere. Million to RDA. They'll get a candidate. If we were to speculate, we would sort of say all of the above. Certainly, he's throwing a fair bit of money around in advertising, uh, which is a, an issue. In the itself. main question is: Is Palmer advertising for the reason that he's genuinely vaccine skeptical, or is he doing this to capitalise on vaccine ske- vaccine skeptics to get in power? That's the main oh. question. <laughs> well, you'd if have he's to, an opportunist, have to talk he's going to fail. Him, but if you're asking me for an opinion, uh, it's obviously the latter. I mean, I think so. I think yeah, so. And the, I think he's going to fail. Well, he's been asked if he's been vaccinated and he constantly dodges the, the, the question. And look, yeah, he's, of course and he's he does. also. If he got COVID, uh, he'd fucking die instantly. <laughs> it's like 160 kilos. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and it'd feel like he was sitting on his own chest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I really am a big fat bastard, aren't I? I've become a meme. <laughs> anyway, Again. Uh, uh, and look, um, he's facing criminal trial for fraud and breaches of corporations. Yeah, fuck he is as too. well, which were recently mentioned. And, and and there's a sort of effort going to stretch those out and in COVID affected courtrooms. Yeah. By that I mean backlogs of cases have increased. Yeah, um, everything's he might done just on get away Zoom. with that. So um, um, yes, uh, I'm glad. He and none of his minions are listening because um, <laughs> we'd probably be in a very lot of, <laughs> a large uh, amount of trouble right so now. So much malice. Look, why so don't you come malice. on the program, Clive, and, you know, we'll, we'll have you on, you know. I yeah, mean, I, absolutely. I, I certainly don't want to mic you up. Joel can do that. But, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll have you on. I mean, so – so what we're looking at is a vulnerable government uh, to get to, to sort of uh, conclude on all this. We're looking at a vulnerable government that doesn't take much to throw it out of power. We've got looming rates of vaccination that will hit, you know, as high as they're going to go. And then there'll need to be more, you know, pressure on those hesitant, shall we call, to go yeah. against. So we, we start yeah. getting these vaccinations on and then we'll have an election and then we'll open up the country. That's so that's it. kind of the way things are going, and that's and the what way, like. and the way the election the election will be determined is just how these ten percenters go. They really yeah. will influence things yeah. greatly. 
I'm really glad we don't have the sort of Senate um, electoral arrangements that we used to have and that there have been reforms there. So we would literally have some of the craziest people on earth in our Senate. If they did a double disillusion right now, In our Senate with with, with 75 primary votes, you know. So so a lot of that's been wiped out too. Uh, And and we are starting to see a a Senate that's a bit more representative of of the electorate. Um, Yeah. But, but yes, so we'll we'll have a, you know. Half Senate election there. We had the double uh, in 2016, so there are are quite a few Senate uh, seats up for grabs. Looking forward Uh, to seeing a few of those fucking idiots leave the House. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But uh, it doesn't look all that promising. Uh, One of the things that's been talked about is is the diminished influence uh, or support for Paul Enhancer's One Nation, and they were belted in Queensland. In the state yeah. election there, and they, they, were, bel- they were belted in Western Australia. Well, to be fair, they don't have a lot of lot of heads, but they do. Have, you know, they have had some. You know, good old Rodney Carlton came from from uh, mm. from WA, of course, as yep. a as a fine senator. The senator but in exile. They were just nowhere to be nowhere to be seen um, yeah. in in WA and in and in Queensland. Well, they were sort of down around the sort of three percent mark. So they were really really poor circumstances uh, there and one wonders how that's going to go federally. I Whether- never thought that I'd ever say, I wish Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party did better in an election, but I feel like that's coming. Well, they are going to, in my opinion, they are going to go closer and closer to this anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine group. I don't know if it's They'll try work, and man. mop it up. They it, might. They the, might. The, the problem is Hanson seems to just sort of, Disappeared. She's just tired. She looks tired and old and yeah. routinely gets caught out. You know that she was ever very bright in media, but but she <laughs> but she was. You know, she just almost she's a no show these days. So she Monica up a Smith bit is the new Pauline Hanson. I'm telling you right now, man. Like Monica Smith, if she gets her shit together and she steals that Pauline Hanson One Nation vote, you know, a double disillusion would almost guarantee a few fringe politics. Yeah. Um, we won't have a DD. We won't have a double. With a normal Senate quota, I think that RDA is going to run short, but not by as much as I want them to. Yeah. Um, look, uh, it may well be that Anthony Albanese's got this small target stuff right. I mean, there's this... The, <laughs> The, the old axiom about you know governments losing rather than oppositions winning. It's basically yeah. winning government. It's, it probably stands up. Yeah. Uh, the problem I've got with that is if you want to try and <coughs> uh, prosecute a reform agenda, you can't really do that out of the blue. So Which is what Shorten tried to do, and he fucking died at the helm. Yeah. Such a well, shame. It's a great it's policy agenda. There's all of that, you know, and and it does basically warn any political party away from coming up with a sort of substantial agenda and trying yeah. to sell it to the Australian people. You may as well just, sort of, you know, yeah. do the old butcher boy routine, roll into a ball in the corner and, just and, walk uh, and out. wait for the other mob to, to mess up enough. And that looks like it's kind of on the way. How people will yeah. feel about things once they're fully vaccinated um, is, a, is, is a bit different. but um, uh, And we just don't know that yet. But at the same time, it's going to be a period of great tumult, period of great upheaval, going to be a lot of people on the streets protesting this and that and the other, Ugh. and we're going to be going in and out of lockdowns before we get that 70%. Yeah, so well. there's going to be some pretty tired Australians 
by the time they uh, by the time they hit Christmas and by the time they uh, uh, you know shove a pencil in their hands and mark out a ballot paper. Yeah, yeah. So there we go, Joe. It's been it's going to be a very grim second half of 2021. I'm sure of it. But the thing that I really want to focus on here is that we are eventually, especially after next week and when the fucking super spreader event makes New South Wales literally a hotbed of COVID, is we're going to have to live with the virus. This is the whole thing: live with mm. the virus, yeah. which has been an absolute like poison chalice for politicians in the past who have learned that living with the virus is exactly what the electorate doesn't want. But once we get to a point where New South Wales tips over the edge, the entire country closes their borders to us and we wind up being the test case for what happens when COVID runs ragged through a state, what does that mean for anti-vaxxers? And I will tell you what it means. It means they're going to fucking die. Mm. And we are seeing people in the USA and the UK with these strong anti-vax views who talk about all through the news and the anti-vaxxer update, they're ending up on a slab and their last fucking words are get the vax. And it's not making a fucking lick of difference to these people (laughs) who have dug their heels in. And they're still making their identity around the idea of not getting the vaccine without realizing that means they are potentially going to die. A lot of these people are fucking Graham nomad types. I mean, you think Meryl fucking Dory is going to survive COVID? She's like like (laughs) 75 years old. She's overweight and she probably smokes weed. I mean, like good fucking luck. Yeah, I don't know if she smokes weed or not, but uh, she she certainly looks like she could lose lose a couple of pounds. She's Um, going to die. She's going (laughs) to die. So, like, the thing is... In this situation, we have these relentless misinformation campaigns. It shows no sign of slowing down because there's Mm. all these vested interests behind it. There's this web of political entanglement, this political movement that's based on the idea that the vaccines are poison and they're going to kill us all. But we're not the ones that are dying. You motherfuckers are. And like we've been saying on this program for a very, very long time, it's a grift. And it's not necessarily a a monetary grift. This is a... It's a grift of personality. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a personality grift. It, it, it basically really is. Just, I want to get my name in the papers. I want to be on the telly. Exactly. I don't want people to like stand up and clap when I walk into a room. RFK is the same. He's got more money than God. What he really gets off on is that young women get excited when he walks into a room. This motherfucker is a cult leader, and this is the whole like this is the whole trick. So how long? until these people start thinking it's a good idea to get the jab. I reckon if I put my money on it, that motherfucker RFK has had a fucking shot. Just saying. Oh, look, we're going to see a lot of that over the next 12 months. We are in for a really rough ride. But one thing we can safely predict is that a lot of these anti-vaxxers are going to quietly tiptoe away and... Get their vaccinations done. They no, are. They are. And no band aid, please. No, no, yeah. no. Don't put that yeah. band aid there. No, no. Yeah, no. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know. And that's the way it's going to be. So when it comes down to it, look, we're looking at this situation where the border is going to reopen. There's going to be this massive amount of freedom they've been wanting to, for ages, and people are going to die. But it's not going to be them because they're going to get the jab on the sly. People who have been vaccinated will be vaccinated. If there's booster shots necessary, we'll just go and get them. Who who gives a fuck? I'll just go down the shops and get a booster shot. Who gives a shit? Those who think the jab is going to kill them, they're going to be faced with a very difficult decision. What is going to kill me first? COVID or the vaccine? My fucking money's on COVID. And we're going to wrap up the political goat entrail examination there and get on this. He's not a moron. He's not an idiot. Well, he's an idiot, a huge idiot, but he's our idiot. He's had another huge fucking week. It's the week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week.
week in Pete Evans. He's clearing house and locking it down. Mm. After a massive ketamine session, Pete had the dramatic realization that his cult-like following is full of completely cooked idiots. For some months now, Pete has had comments turned on, allowing his followers to add their two cents in on his Telegram channel. And it has produced some fucking whopper-level bullshit and mostly consisted of people of both sexes fawning over him, blatant misinformation, Ooh. and just conspiratorial Telegram spam. People just share shit just ruthlessly. It's the fawning that makes me uncomfortable. But anyway. It is. It's the fawning that gets us. <laughs> in the process of turning off the comments, Pete put a one week self-destruct timer on his post which has since been removed i think this might have been a mistake but he also deleted all his recent posts going back to the end of may now also not ruling out the fact that this may have been an accident because we know that pete's not good with technology but maybe (laughs) he's trying to wipe the slate clean and clear the decks for a fresh start as he prepares to accept his invitation to the senate as graham at Cranky Ranky, all credit due, on Twitter suggested. That's, that, mm-hmm. that sounds pretty mm-hmm. fucking plausible to me. Invited. So, look, here's one from the archi- archives. Here's one from the archives from better times, which I've been mm-hmm. holding on to for some time. We're going back. So, it was wow. a very big week in Pete Evans. And he was and has been receiving a lot of messages. See, Pete's been a very busy boy indeed. And while this is actually from July the 7th, this one has been waiting in the wings because fuck he's been busy busy. but this week we had an opening we had an opening he's been kind of boring this week to be honest so pete posted this to his telegram quote the amount of messages that i'm receiving from people that are saying their friends and loved ones are in hospital or dead from these experimental vaccines is alarming sad and terrible please everyone be careful with anything you choose (laughs) to put in your body now this would be pretty funny to people that claim that pete actually isn't that careful with the ketamine and cocaine he chooses to put in his body but that's hearsay that's hearsay And that's best left to the public to decide. It's not my opinion. It's no one's opinion. Certainly not mine. In case, uh, in case Pete's having a chat to his lawyers. (laughs) Actually, my cat said that into the microphone. That was my cat who said that. Who's not legally liable for anything? Because we love Pete. The podcast would be nothing without him. And so, you know, he is a very, very close friend of the podcast. He is the Kmart to my kitchen. So, of course, this led to a barrage of comments from his loyal followers, so many of which have these vague reports of medical conditions that have nothing to do with vaccination, but, of course, they're adverse reactions. But, hey, everyone loves a good scapegoat, and the mm. vaccine has been a great one. So we had one person who claimed a friend oh. of their sister, to always like a yeah. distant friend, had a heart attack immediately, immediately. after the jab. Mm. Like, immediately. Like, what is that? Like, it, that doesn't sound sus at all. So her father also has kidney issues, which are new. New kidneys or the new issues around Sounds the, convincing. Around kidneys. As a vaccine given, given this man two surplus ripping kidneys. It's so funny how these people, these anti-vaxxers, they're just magnets mm. for unfortunate incidents. You know, like they always have something wrong happening <laughs> Boss, to their yeah, friends, friends and family. Of a friend, yeah, yeah mm. oh, it's just awful. They're, they're surrounded by tragedy. Another friend of a friend in the comment section died oh. two weeks after Pfizer, was wow. in the kitchen and just dropped dead. And it must have been the vaccine. There's literally no other explanation. I mean, well, could be, could be a couple of things. But anyway, and another friend of a friend because I, I, I noticed a trend here is on. 13 tablets for heart issues. 13 was fine before yeah. the AstraZeneca shot. <laughs> now, now they're on 13 pills. Wow. In like how many weeks? Like what, what was the process for these 13 pills to be prescribed? It's just, okay, yeah, so plausible. But this one almost got the point, but it danced right past her like Maxine Glitter. And if you know, you know. This is so heartbreaking. My sister's mother-in-law almost died. Her entire body swelled up two hours after the second dose and she was rushed to hospital. She was diagnosed with a water infection. Oh, that's a medical term. Water infection. 
that's it. And was told it was unrelated to the vaccine. Maybe listen to that. The worst part is she believes them. Yeah, she does believe them because it's, it's no shit. So a water infection is caused by bacteria. I looked this up on Google. How the fuck she thinks that's related to the vaccine is completely beyond me because it isn't. But this is because idiots like Pete Evans convince people to think like this. That's fucking why. So Pete did a dirty delete on this one a few days later for reasons only Pete and probably his lawyers are aware of. This thread was so full of complete disinformation that shit, maybe it even crossed the line for Pete himself. Man, I got a screenshot of it when I did like a scroll shot on the on the Telegram because I'm like, this is so fucking good. I'm so glad I did. But for all the messages he's apparently getting from people dropping dead from the vaccine, the take-home message here is that anti-vaxxers fucking lie. They make shit up. Rule number one, anti-vaxxers lie. They twist tails. They always have a friend of a friend or a sister of a relative or a fucking auntie. It's all made up. People have died from adverse reactions to the AZ jab in Australia and it's fucking awful. Those are real. But it wasn't a water infection. So stop <laughs> making people that think that everything happens from this point onwards is due to the fucking vaccine rollout because you're not helping anyone. You're probably going to die before you find it anyway. I can feel it in me waters. You have been listening <laughs> to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. I refer to myself in the third person there. I do it every week. It's great. We set up a Facebook page. You can find fairly easily. Just search conditional release program. And I just must say, promoting a podcast easier said than done. We say this every week. I grovel for you to share things, but it's working. You guys are sharing. Our numbers are pumping. So very keep grateful. doing it. Very, we very love grateful you for to this. you all for we sharing. Love you. Sharing having so a bit of a chat uh, on social media about us and giving us a good review. And finally, we love it. All feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you're handing me a hand of a card from Reignite Democracy. Australia at a polling booth. No, I'm not taking that. You can stick that up your ass. Yes, that's very, very worse. Look, honestly, I think I'm probably going to man a booth. I usually do every election, and this one is going to fucking suck. I always tussle with the Liberals, but I can't even picture the fact that RDA Party is going to be there giving out fucking Senate sheets, and I'm going to have to deal with these mm. assholes we'll eight see. hours in the sun. We'll see. We'll see. Fuck. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Take care. See you then.